What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the Best Life. guys, what is going on? This is Jill here and I'm going to be recording a solo episode for you all today. And there's a couple of topics that we've been wanting to talk about and this one seems fairly relevant because I hosted a business mastermind. As you guys know, Danny and I both coach entrepreneurs and kind of online health and fitness coaches into building their online business. And last weekend I had an event here in Los Angeles and it was my mastermind event. We had about 40 or 50 women here and it was interesting one of the guest speakers who came to speak a couple days in advance, he sent me a text message and he said, Hey Jill, I'm wondering, do your gals, do your mastermind members, do they struggle with taking action and implementing what they learn? And I thought about it for a second because it seems like such a common thing that most people don't take action. And I'm like, you know, they don't struggle with that actually. And it was a really nice moment for me to look and see that my clients and my friends and my peers, these women that I'm working with are really taking a ton of massive action and to see them really just clip along and really taking messy action, unsure action, uncertain action, uncomfortable action, and really have that moment as a coach to be like, you know what, this is this is really cool for me to see that I know that that's the reason why my women have been successful because they don't always get it right. And of course me too. We don't always get it right, but the more action we take, I truly believe the more angles we come to see, the more experiences we start to rack up. And over time, we do actually get and arrive at a more perfect way of, of doing things or way of action. So today I want to talk about how to take action, how to take more action, how to take more messy action. This is for someone who is maybe wanting to do something a little bit different, wanting to do something a little bit bigger. It can be in the career realm. It can be in the relationship realm. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be something scary, although we talk about that quite a bit on this podcast, but it can be just taking more action in general, like really just walking your walk. I think a lot of times it's easy, especially if you listen to this podcast, you might obviously be into personal development. You might be into doing mindset work. On some level, you like talking about this kind of juicy stuff. And I do too. And I remember one of my earliest coaches, mentors, who was helping me through some of the kind of early on stuff in my marriage and really kind of struggling with infidelity and feelings of betrayal and feeling like a victim and all these kind of things. And he said to me, you know, Jill, 90% of it is awareness. And he goes, and you know it, you know it inside now, you're reading all the books. You know, I was, I was studying Byron Katie's work. I was doing all that. So I was doing the judge your neighbor worksheets. I was doing all this work. And he said, you know, 90% of it is awareness. And it's great because we can all sit here and we can have these very 
high-level intellectual conversations around what we would do if triggered, what we would do if we are in a situation where we had to have an honest conversation, what we would do when it comes to trusting people in our life, what we would do around enforcing boundaries, right? All these kind of mindset topics. We know what we would do in theory, And he said, Jill, that last 10% is what do you do when the rubber meets the road? It's really the action you decide to take as a result of accumulating all this personal development knowledge. And I didn't really get it at the time. I was like, okay, that sounds cool. Like, yeah, of course I'm going to implement, right? But what I have found is that life gives us these small opportunities or even big opportunities, but a lot of times they're a lot smaller than we think. Because sometimes we think, oh, well, you know, I'm going to leave my marriage or I'm going to drive across the country or I'm going to tell my boss off or quit my job or like whatever these kind of like big swooping, you know, actions are. What I have found is that in the day-to-day, like literally on a daily basis, a weekly basis, we are given these opportunities to put our money where our mouth is and walk our walk. So if you're here and you have the awareness and you're studying this stuff and you're reading the books and you listen to the podcast, amazing. I want to get down to that last 10% today. I want to really talk about when the rubber meets the road, what do you choose? We've talked about this a little bit recently. And of course, my new kind of relationship I've been with this guy for the last year and talking about about, okay, what do you do when you have been betrayed in the past and you have an opportunity to trust someone new? Are you going to try to, you know, take your old narratives of all men cheat or, you know, I was cheated on, I'm unworthy of love and project it onto someone new, or are you going to trust? And so that's been a real great and super simple example of me trying to walk my walk, doing the things that I know someone who trusts does, even if I still get those emotional triggers. And so a lot of times, you know, what I ask, my clients or what I ask people when we're talking about these situations is, what are you willing to do differently? And so one of the things that I use, I'm going to go through a series of kind of different tools here, but the first one is I always ask myself, what is what would I normally do in this scenario? What's the safe, common choice that I would normally choose in this instance? And then what is the opposite of that? So for example, Uh, Say you are, I don't know, maybe you're having a fight with a partner, you're having a fight with a loved one, and it's kind of the old song and dance. It's kind of like you, you know the patterns, you know the way they respond, and then you respond. What is the exact opposite response? And this is a practice, especially when we're in those kind of like high emotion scenarios where our ego really wants us to win. It's like, okay, if my normal response is to get defensive, and it's funny because in my my marriage, actually, when I was younger, Jade would always say, you, you get so defensive, you get so defensive, you get so defensive. And at the time, I couldn't see it. So I was like, what do you mean I get defensive? Of course, I'm just defending the fact that I don't get defensive, which, is, which completely proves this point, right? But I couldn't see that. And I think that until you have that self-awareness, you can't even recognize the old patterns. And so when it comes to taking action, asking yourself, what would I normally do in this instance? What is kind of like the old common way and have that little bit of time of awareness and going, okay, cool. Could I choose to do something different? Could I choose the opposite of this action? What I do is I, as I ask that, and I also ask, what would someone at the level of success or the level of being that I want to be at, how would they respond in this scenario? 
So, you know, for me, it's something like Oprah or someone I really respect who has a lot of success, has impacted a lot of lives. I'm going, okay, what would Oprah do in this instance? And I hate, I kind of hate this because what it does, it forces us to do things that are uncomfortable, things that we don't want to do. And so if you're like, okay, Jill, that sounds great, but like, you don't know what if it doesn't work out? And I'm like, yeah, we actually don't know if the thing that you want to do is going to work out. And that's the, the scariest part. But here's the really cool thing is that the more scary action that you take, even if it's, quote, the wrong action or it doesn't, quote, work out or, quote, it blows up in your face, whatever those outcomes are, it builds self-trust. It builds your ability to trust yourself moving forward because now you've experienced a little bit more. You've actually seen those struggles. You've experienced those, quote, failures, and you had the opportunity of seeing yourself as resilient. And so, yes, it's really easy to go down the defeatist path of like, I'm not good. This is not good. I suck at this, et cetera. But I think all of us have the awareness to go, okay, let's not catastrophize here. Let's just see this objectively and go, okay, this didn't work out the way I wanted it to. You know, I probably should have listened to my gut or I probably made the wrong decision here, but what can I learn from it? And as soon as you turn that on its head, it doesn't become that you're bad, that this decision was bad, that you did a bad job. It's literally just like, cool, what could I have done better? And how can I get better moving forward? And that's that resiliency mindset. And the more instances, big or small, that you have of seeing yourself being resilient when things don't go, quote, as planned or whatever, when you see yourself being resilient, you come to trust yourself more with bigger opportunities. And so they can actually call this the confidence competency loop. We might have talked about this on the podcast before, the confidence competency loop. And it makes a lot of sense. When I say it, you guys will totally get this. If you think about, I don't know, maybe the first time you stepped into the gym or the first time you did something that was a little bit scary. And the first time you did it, you were really unsure. And then you went ahead and did it and maybe it wasn't perfect. And maybe, you know, you looked, you felt like you looked stupid or maybe you just didn't like quite, you were uncomfortable, it was awkward, whatever, but you got through it. And as a result of that, you now have that experience in your experience piggy bank, right? You put it in the bank and you're like, cool, I know what that looks like now. And so I always think about this in terms of like your, if you've ever done a triathlon or you've ever done a fitness competition, the first time you do something like that, you don't know what it's going to look like backstage. Stage. You don't know what it's going to look like in the transitions. And so you're really nervous and you're asking a lot of questions and you're really ang- anxious. And then you have, you finally go through with it. You do the triathlon or you do the race or you do the show and you kind of get the lay of the land. You're like, okay, I understand, you know, where I have to go to the transition. I got to get my, you know, I got to get my shorts on. I got to get my biking shoes on. I got to, you know, transition to the bike over here. I got to be backstage. I got to pump up. I got to get my tan on at a certain time. Like you kind of start to understand that in and see all angles as a result of doing it. You could never fully understand that had you not done it. And so you're racking up all these experiences. And as a result of having more and more experiences, you now become more confident. You're like, cool, if I do another show, I'll understand what happens backstage now. If I do another race, I'll understand what that looks like now. And as a result of becoming more confident, you get better. And getting better is about competency, right? Competency is I get better at this. I'm I'm more mastered at this skill as a result of doing it more. And they've actually shown that the better you get at it, 
the more likely you are to take more action. Of course, if I start to, you know, maybe I'm, for example, you guys know I've been doing, um, getting better at snowboarding. I've been snowboarding about 15 or 16 times this season and I never snowboarded before. And the first couple of times I like literally had no idea. I hadn't even skied before. And so I'm like uh, the first like handful of times I remember I was crying down the mountain. I was like so upset. I was like, you know, brooding and, and pouting and all this kind of stuff. And I just kept getting up and kept getting up. And over time, I was like, okay, let me try this thing. And I've already fallen a hundred times. So if I fall again, it's fine. Like I know what it feels like. And so the more I started to trust myself and the more relaxed I got and the more, the less scared of falling I became, I actually started getting better at snowboarding. And as a result of getting better, I was willing to try more things. And so the confidence competency loop is actually a feed forward cycle. The more you do, the more confident you become, the more confident you become, the more action you take, the more action you take, the more competent you become. And so the only way for us to jump into this loop, into this feed forward loop is through new action. And so I know that you guys are here and you're listening to this because you want to take more action. So the first tool that I went through was what is the opposite of the thing that I would normally do? What's the opposite of the safe or comfortable choice? And doing that or at least trusting yourself enough to take one small step in that direction. And as a result of that, you gain more experience. And as a, as a result of gaining more experience, you now have more evidence that you can trust yourself. And that puts you in that confidence competency loop. So one of the things that I did was I, after that mastermind speaker mentioned to me that he was working with a lot of his own clients that were really struggling with taking action. And as a coach, that's really frustrating because you're going, man, these people are paying me. They're taking my time. I'm taking their time. You know, they're not implementing and you feel really frustrated because you're not sure how you can motivate them. And so I asked my mastermind clients, you know, you guys are all moving along at the, at a clip here. Why are you taking so much action? What spurs you to action? And they gave me some great insights. And the first is that the pain of inaction becomes greater than the discomfort of a new action. And so I think for a lot of us, we do have to get to that point, at least in some way, shape or form. For me, it came in the form of obsessive dieting. And so I remember the moment where I literally threw my hands up and I was like, I don't care what the alternative is. I just can't do this anymore. I can't do that. the two to three hours of cardio every single day. I can't be constantly thinking about food. I can't be white knuckling my way through and trying not to eat chocolate every second. I can't do this for what? And I wasn't even getting results in my fitness, but I didn't know another way. It was a control mechanism for me. And so I remember that moment, it was in 2011. And I threw my hands up and I was like, I just can't keep doing this. I don't care if I gain 50 pounds overnight. I literally am not doing this shit anymore. I will do the exact opposite of this. And that was when I started eating moderately. And it didn't happen overnight. I was still really scared to allow myself some of these quote, you know, off off diet foods. But over time, I started seeing that there was an alternative way of doing something. So sometimes we have to recognize when the pain of inaction becomes greater than the discomfort of a new action. So I didn't trust myself to eat moderately. In fact, I was terrified. I didn't even know what that looked like, but I knew that I didn't want to keep doing the other thing anymore. And so, you know, whether it's a relationship, you know, and the same thing happened in my career. I was working uh, full-time at a university and the job not the job wasn't terrible. It was just, I wanted to be working on Jill Fit full-time. And so the pain of staying in that position when it was stealing hours out of my day that I wanted to be and was passionate about working at Jill Fit, I literally just up and quit one day. 
And it wasn't because I had a terrible boss. It wasn't because I didn't love my job. It was just like, I am not motivated here anymore. And so the pain of the inaction, the, the move, the pain of not doing the thing becomes greater than the thing. And so I think we have to have, it's hard to know in those moments, but I think all of us can look back at our life in some place where this, that we did see this, whether it was in our nutrition, our fitness, whether it was in a career or relationship. And in those moments, you have to have that awareness. And so that was one thing that came up. And a lot of these women don't want want to be miserable. A lot of my clients said, you know, I don't want to be anxious about money all the time. I don't want to feel stuck in this job anymore. I don't want to, frankly, not be able to do anything because I don't have money. I want to reach more people outside my local area. I don't want to be a personal trainer at 65 years old getting up at 4 a.m. So it was like these kind of the pain of inaction got greater than the discomfort of a new action. The second thing that they said was an investment. And so I think this is one of the things that Danny and I, we talk about this quite a bit, especially when it comes to going to things like in-person events, joining masterminds. Both of us are, you guys know, are huge investors in our personal development, our personal growth in our business. Just last year, I spent close to $80,000 in my business last year. And so I don't say that to like brag. I'm just literally saying that as like, for me, I take it very seriously, but I wasn't always that way. The first time I made a huge investment in my business was in 2012. And at that time, I was a DIYer. I was someone who just assumed I could figure it out on my own. And up until that point, I pretty much had. And so there was very little incentive for me to invest because I was like, you know what? I'll just watch YouTube videos. I'll just you know, go to conferences. I'll try and figure this out on my own. And the problem was I kept not doing it. I kept not doing those things because I didn't have any skin in the game. I hadn't invested in anything. I hadn't invested money. I hadn't invested time. I hadn't invested energy. I had not put myself on the hook. And energetically, I was still keeping myself small. I was going, oh, I'll figure it out myself, figure it out myself. That's an energetic kind of boomerang to say like, okay, Jill, you're not that serious. And the results I was getting were not that serious because I wasn't taking it seriously. And when I finally invested that first $10,000 in my business, and I'm not saying you need to invest that much, but for me, that was what it took for me to totally change my outlook. And I didn't have that money. I actually didn't have the money at the time. I didn't have a credit card that had a you know uh, spending limit that big. And so... At that time, I, it forced me to launch my very first business coaching program. I didn't know much, but I knew what I had been successful at. Jill Fit at that point had grown to a six-figure business. And so I was like, you know, I don't know everything in business, but people were asking me what I was doing and I can at least teach what I've done and I can show them what I've done and then I can make the money needed to invest in my business to be able to do the next level of business, which was automation and scaling and stuff like that. And so, because that was the stuff I didn't know how to do. I knew how to do one-on-one meal plans. I knew how to do one-on-one one program design, but I couldn't scale. I was at the same position I was personal training. There's a built-in ceiling to how much I can do. And what happened was I was working on all these client, you know, emails and Skype calls and just doing a ton of working in the business that I had no free time to do anything like like scale the business. I wasn't I didn't have the time to actually do the big things in the business to help me scale and to help me automate. And so I paid my coach at the time $10,000. And it was interesting because it was a year-long mentorship. And I, looking back, I didn't even really use the coaching aspect. I mean, I did a little bit, but the majority of what it was for, for me, was energetic. The investment was an energetic signal to myself that I was leveling up, that I was serious about this, that I was actually putting money where my mouth was. I was going to, I was telling my clients, 
Hey, you got to follow the meal plan. Hey, you got to do the program. And yet I wasn't able to walk my walk when it said, hey, I really want to level up. What am I willing to do? What am I willing to sacrifice in order to make that happen? And so making that huge first investment was an energetic signal to myself to start acting differently, to start acting like someone who really wanted to grow their business. And without that investment, without that monetary investment, there was very little incentive for me to do anything different. And I was like, holy shit, I'm on the hook now. I just paid $10,000. I better fucking do this and make this work. Otherwise, what am I doing? And so I think investment can be a huge incentive. So it doesn't necessarily need to be a monetary investment. But I mean, for me, that definitely works. And for obviously the women I mastermind, it's a, it's a pretty significant investment. And for all of them, they're like, cool, I want to get the most out of this mentorship. I want to get the most out of a coach while I'm here. I'm going to do the things because I want to make this year count and I want to make my money count. And so I think that sometimes the investment has to be uncomfortable. So Danny and I talk about this a lot in terms of live events. You know, going to live events to me is such a one percenter action because so many people never do it. They never do it because it is inconvenient, because it's expensive, because it's a hassle, because you got to get people, you know, someone to watch the kids, you got to manage the house, you got to get travel, you got to get accommodations, like all these kind of things. And so when I see women and men, I guess too, coming to my events. And investing in that, I mean, literally last weekend, we had someone from Indonesia who came, shout out Tierra. We had uh, people from from the UK come. We had people from, tons from Canada, um, Hawaii, Sydney. Like we had people from all over the place come. And I, I said multiple times throughout the weekend, how grateful I was and how honored I was that they believed in themselves enough to do all of that, to be so inconvenienced, to come to an, a live event. And so Danny and I were huge advocates of live events because they level up your energy. It's not just like, cool, I'm going to learn some stuff at this conference. In fact, it's not even about what you're going to learn at the conference. It's about the connections that you make. It's about the experience that you have. It's about the energy of really saying to yourself, I'm worth this. And I'm going to invest to show myself and to show myself that I want to be at a different level, that I really do want to be more successful than I am, that I want to start doing things differently. And so an investment was another one that the women said. And, you know, like I said, it doesn't necessarily need to be a monetary investment. What you might be able to do instead is another one of my productivity tools, which is putting myself on the hook publicly. So I love, love, love putting myself on the hook publicly on social media or just to friends and family, to people who are going to keep me accountable. The reason why I do this and I do this ahead of time, before I even do the thing, before I even create the thing, I put myself on the hook publicly so that I, and I put a deadline on it. I give myself a date and I tell people and I announce that it's coming. So I call this the triple D system. So triple D system, number one is declare. That's the very first step. You declare it publicly. So if you need to go on social media and declare it, if you need to, and I know sometimes this, this is what's hard about declaration is because we always have that voice in the back of our head going, well, what if I don't do it? Well, what if I, you know, what if I just don't do it? And then like, I'm going to be so embarrassed. Cool. So it doesn't need to be like the most amazing, like you don't have to run the Boston Marathon, but like, what about a small step? What about you're going to put out a Facebook Live next week? What about you're going to host a webinar? What, what about you're going to tell a vulnerable story? Can you in advance start talking about that thing? So what I have my women do is I have them declare that they're going to create some sort of lead magnet or what we call a freebie to give to their audience. So if you're an online coach or whatever, you're trying to capture people's email addresses or get them to do something. You might say, hey, you guys are going to be running a free challenge. It's going to start in two weeks. I'm so excited about it. Send me your email and I'll make sure to put you in. 
or mark on your calendar because it's getting ready to come. And so de- the declaration is that scary part. But like I said, it doesn't need to be like a huge overhaul, but it doesn't need to be something that you normally wouldn't talk about till it's done. And if you're a recovering perfectionist like me, you don't like revealing shit until the shit is perfect. And so the declaration is that public acknowledgement that you're committing to it and you have other people and other eyes looking at it and going to either keep you accountable or you're going to just not want to disappoint as much as possible that you're going to actually follow through with this. So the first D is declare it. I don't care if you have it made yet, created yet. You don't need to have any of that. That's the second D. The second D is develop it, develop it. So for example, if you're going to say, hey, I'm going to run a free challenge on, in, let's just say you're going to do a Facebook Live next week. You're going to do Facebook Live. You want to talk about maybe some of your history of dieting or relationship stuff or whatever. And you are going to do a Facebook Live next week at noon. So you literally get on social media and you say, hey, you guys, I'm super pumped. I am going to be doing a Facebook Live next Wednesday at noon, and it's going to be on my Facebook page over here. And I'm a little bit nervous because I want to tell a kind of vulnerable story, and I want to share something that's really personal to me. And I hope that you guys tune in. I would love to chat with you. I'd love to hear about your stories, and I would love to answer some questions. Um, so it's going to be at noon next week, et cetera. So you would just say that. You have an idea in the back of your mind of what it's going to look like, but now you're in the second D, which is develop it. Okay, cool. What am I going to actually talk about? Let's put together an outline. Let's get a couple of takeaways. Let's get prepared, not like overly prepared, like drive yourself crazy, but like get some some notes together so that you feel confident and maybe practice a little bit how you're going to talk or what you're going to say, get the lighting right on the video, et cetera. And then you're going to just develop it. You're going to do the thing. You're actually going to do the thing, whatever it is that you said you're going to deliver, you're going to do it. And so that last piece is the final D is deliver what you said you were going to at the time that you said it. And I know it sounds kind of silly. And I know for a lot of people, they do not want to put things on social media that they're going to do because all of us have seen people who put shit on social media that they're going to do and they never follow through. And we go, I don't want that to be me. I would be embarrassed if that's me. But here's the thing. Make it a small thing. Make it something you actually want to do. Because remember, there's a huge difference between doing something hard and doing something that makes you miserable. There's a huge difference between doing something that's hard and doing something that makes you miserable. So if you have a list of things that you want to get done, look at those things and go like, for example, I'll give you an example. For me, I fucking hate to cook and you guys know that. And so I have a little voice in the back of my head going, you know what, Jill, you should really learn to cook. Sometimes it's a voice in front of me, like my mom going, Jill, you should probably know how to do a couple of dishes. Like, you know, you're a grown ass woman. You should probably know like a couple of like decent dishes. So if you needed to, you could throw something together. And I'm going, I don't really ever see see a need to ever throw something together. I just don't. Uh, So for me, I don't want to fucking cook. Is it hard for me? Yes. But it's also miserable for me. And so that's kind of the seg into the next one, which is the law of trade-offs. What are you doing that's keeping you from doing the other thing? So for me, cooking is taking away valuable time and not only valuable time, but valuable mental energy from the things I actually want to do. So I'd rather do things that are hard, but they're maybe a little bit bigger than things that make me miserable simply because I feel like I should. And so I know all of us have these like should lists, right? We should do this, we should do this, we should do this, we should do this. We should clean our own house. We should make our own food. And by the way, you guys, that's my personal preference. I don't advocate not cooking. Obviously cooking food at home is much healthier than you know dining out or eating more processed food, but it does come down to you know, picking and choosing your battles. And so if you're someone who it's just misery all the time to get your mental energy and get yourself motivated to clean your house, be like, how much would it be 
for me to get someone to come in and clean this for me? How much would that actually be? And then how can I either make that money or find that money to be able to do that? So not only am I not taking time cleaning my house, but I'm also, I don't have to like mentally prep myself for it. I remember I used to clean my own house and it would take me like all weekend to just mentally get myself ready to do it on Sunday. I was like, oh fuck, I gotta clean. And I was like, I'd procrastinate, procrastinate, procrastinate. And then I just was like, you know what? Someone's gonna come and I don't even think about it till the person shows up to clean. And so I know that some of these things are nice to haves, but they're considerations. So maybe if it's not cooking and cleaning, look at and audit your schedule. Where are you spending your time that you actually don't have to? Where can you automate things? Where can you delegate things? For example, you know, I use a lot of like auto ship, like on Amazon Prime, you can get things on auto ship. So, you know, I actually don't do a ton of errands. Amazon Prime delivers the next day. So if I run out of Q-tips, I don't have to make a whole trip to CVS just to have Q-tips. I can literally order them on Amazon Prime and they'll be here tomorrow. So yeah, maybe today I won't clear, clean my ears, but they'll be here tomorrow. So use things like Amazon Prime if you can. Use things like auto ship for your supplements. You know, and, and the second thing is you need to have boundaries, right? So you know, a lot of trade-offs, essentially what that means is if we are choosing to do one thing, it automatically means we're not going to be able to do something else. And so you kind of have to have a priority list. And so what are your top priorities? And then what are you doing? What are you kind of like forcing yourself to do that is just a fucking no? And I know it sounds maybe a little bit selfish or maybe it sounds a little bit elitist to just be like, nope, I'm not doing that shit. But like you kind of have to have that moment. And if you're doing things out of guilt, if you're doing things out of, you know, shame, if you're doing things out of trying to avoid other people being disappointed in you, things that you truly do not enjoy and aren't even falling into the hard category, they're falling into the misery category, they have to fucking go. And everything that's in that category for you can find a workaround. It can find some sort of workaround, solution, automation, delegation, et cetera. So you might have to audit your time. A lot of trade-offs is, I know we all want to be super women, but we can't do everything. We can do the things that are the most important to us. And sometimes it's a priority issue, not a time management issue. Sometimes it's a priority issue. And so, you know, one of the things that I like to do and one tool that I use is I make a to-don't list. So a lot of people make to-do lists. That's fine. That's fine. I'm not motivated by to-do lists. I'm like, oh, there's the same 10 things again. That doesn't really work for me. But making a to-don't list reminds me not to waste my energy in places that I don't want to. So for example, boundaries are huge. Emotional boundaries, physical boundaries, yes, but emotional boundaries are a huge time suck. I think sometimes we think to ourselves, oh, going to coffee with this person is only going to take 30 minutes. That's not a big deal. It's not. What if you show up to coffee and it's someone you didn't really want to go have coffee with in the first place, but you felt obligated. And so you went, I'm not saying you should never go to coffee, but I'm just saying like, be very discerning with where you're going to spend your time. And so you go to coffee and then something happens in the conversation. So then you go back to your house and maybe you talk to your partner, you talk to a girlfriend and you're like, hey, this is really, listen to what happened. And then you're retelling the story and then you're maybe getting triggered a little bit and then you want to process it. And so it's not just the 30 minutes you're at coffee. It's like all the emotional energy that you're expending around that conversation. And if it's someone that, you know, really uh, pumps you up and gets your energy up and you just like can't and ask yourself, would I of my own volition this is one of my tools, would I of my own volition go see this person? 
same thing with the different opportunities that come in. We get a ton of emails at JillFit all the time to do interviews or to go to coffee and to, you know, be on summits and all these kind of things. And I always ask myself, if this opportunity did not land in my inbox, would I have sought out this opportunity of my own volition? And if the answer is no, then I turn it down. And what that does is it opens up, not only does it open up time, but it opens up energy for things that I really want to do, things that, you know, opportunities that are going to be even better, things that are going to be even more aligned. And I know that's kind of sounds a little woo-woo, like energetically, we're kind of like opening up space, but really that's what it's about. Think about it. If you say yes to every single opportunity or every single person wants to have coffee or every single thing that someone wants you to do, you are literally leaving zero time in your schedule for any of the things you want to do. And so I ask myself when these opportunities come in, when people want to do stuff or whatever, I ask myself, would I of my own volition have sought this person out or sought out this opportunity? And if no, then it's a no. And so I know that's kind of hard and we'll have a whole separate conversation on how to say no, but I think it's a good practice, especially for us women to say no and not have to have a ton of qualifiers and actually not lie. I don't think you need to be cruel. I don't think you need to say no, because I wouldn't have sought out this coffee date of my own volition. Like you don't need to say that, but you can say, you know, I'm trying to be a little bit better with my time and I have some big goals in my business that I'm trying to achieve. And so right now I'm not really available for that, but let's check in in a few months. That would, to me, would be a very honest, very kind response. And so, you know, Danny always says that I'm diplomatic. And one of the, one of the uh, lines that we use a lot is I'm not really available for that. I'm not really available for that. I'm not really available for having coffee this week. I'm not really available for, you know, promoting your thing. I'm not really available for this thing over here. I'm not really available to swing by this thing or pick up this stuff or go to this thing. I'm not really available for it. And so because if you are not prioritizing the things that you actually want to get done, then you're never going to get to them. And so you have to audit your time. You have to have some emotional boundaries. You have to get better at saying no in a very honest but kind way. And so what I wouldn't recommend doing is saying, hey, I'm actually super busy, but I would love to. Like, you guys, it's a fucking lie. It's a lie. And so like, I get it. Like, we say that because we just want to spare their feelings. We don't want them to feel bad, whatever. You can be just as kind, but it doesn't need to be a lie. You can literally say, hey, you know, um, at this point, I'm trying to build my business or I'm trying to be better with my time. And, you know, uh, at this point, I'm not available for that, but let's check in in a few months. I hope you're really well. That's all I would say. And so, yeah, can that be a little bit awkward? Sure. Maybe they'll never ask you to go to coffee again. Sure. Ask yourself, can you handle that? But don't fucking lie. Like you have time. You're just choosing not to, you know, you wouldn't love to. So don't say I'd love to, but I can't because you wouldn't love to. And so try to stay with your integrity. And this is just good practice in general. I get on Danny all, a lot about this. We both get on each other about this because if I even lie a tiny bit at this point, like even a white lie to save someone's feelings, I get a visceral response inside. So getting better at saying no, you know, and also just quitting spending time with people who are draining your energy and fuck up your energy. And and we all have all heard the mantra, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And, you know, unfortunately, I mean, that is true. Fortunately and unfortunately, it works both ways. And so you might have to audit who you're spending time with. And it doesn't mean that you can't spend time with your high school friend who, you know, really wants to spend time with you, but even though you guys have nothing in common anymore, like, sure, go and do that every once in a while. But 
who are you choosing to spend your time with? And then if someone is fucking up your energy because they're coming in with like negative energy or they're complaining all the time, or especially if you're trying to build your business and you're around people who are constantly like pinching pennies and talking about money and it's, it's fine. And I understand everyone's in a different place, but realize that that's not benign. Doesn't mean you have to just tell people to fuck off, but it's like, cool. If you get back from an interaction with, with a, a group of people and you're like, I just feel unmotivated or I just feel uh, in scarcity or I feel like anxious, that's a clue and that's your responsibility. And I don't think you need to go to them and be like, hey, you, you, your energy is fucked up. But I think, and, and that's the thing where I think sometimes we're a little bit self-righteous by saying like our energy is better or they're worse. And it's like, no, we're just not compatible in that way. So recognize where your energy feels the most fucked up in what scenarios and around what people. And again, it's not to say that you're better, they're worse, they're bad, you're good. It's just saying like recognize and be discerning with how you spend your time. And then finally, like literally some things can just go undone. They can just go undone and the world doesn't blow up. And I think this is a really good practice in trusting yourself to handle something messy, you know? And so I I wouldn't say that, I wouldn't really necessarily recommend the way I do things. My car is a mess, it just is. And all my friends constantly, my family constantly on me about it, constantly trolling me about it, constantly teasing me about it. And I literally am just like, cool. If you wanna take it and clean it, that would be amazing. But otherwise, like it's not gonna get done. So and I don't get mad about it. I like laugh along with them because it's just unknowable about me. But like honestly, I don't give a shit enough. Sure. Like, you know, I go to, I go to get gas and I'll take all the, you know, cans and bottles out and stuff like that. And I'll, I'll clean it out like every once in a while. But for the most part, it just doesn't have to be fucking pristine and that's fine. And it's totally fine. And so are there some things in your life that you can just literally not think about and not make it a huge priority? Some things can literally go undone and the world doesn't blow up. And having that experience of letting something go undone and it not blowing up in your face or delegating to someone else and them actually being able to do it. I know so many of us are really struggle with asking for help. There's something so valuable about having that experience. And I think that that is, you know, really important to think about the law of trade-offs. Like where in your daily life is stealing from you? And I'm not the person who says like every single moment of your day needs to be productive. I think you need ebbs and flows in your energy. And if you if you want to learn more about that, you can go back to a previous episode we did on productivity hacks. But I think that in order to be more focused and to be more diligent and more kind of tuned into things that you actually want to do, you have to give up some of these things that are really stealing your energy. And not just people, but like just stuff that you like, like guilt and shame and wanting to prevent someone from being disappointed in you. Like that's, that's shit. I get it. But like your mom will still love you if you don't do every single thing she wants you to do. Right. You like it's, it will work itself out and you have to trust yourself that you can handle it. And then the last piece is this, and this is a kind of a big kind of blanket, more blanket statement, which is break down things into smaller pieces. Seems uh, intuitive. I get it. Maybe you're listening to this and you're a coach and you're trying to do that with your clients, but for some reason you have a big project in your head. You have something really massive that you want to create and it feels so huge in your head. And so for your clients, you're like, you can tell them, okay, break it down. You know, if you're just starting to exercise, like just do five minutes a day and see how that feels. Then you bump it to 10 minutes and you see how that feels. So we can do this oftentimes for our clients that we don't do it for ourselves. And so if you have something in your head that's this like huge project or huge undertaking, I want to give 
give you permission to take the first step today. It doesn't need to be anything big, but you can break it down. And I have my girls do this. And my mastermind is, you know, we do year long goals. So I'll be like, okay, cool. A year from now, what's your big three goals? And we don't just go, okay, cool. That's awesome. And like, just think about it sometimes, like every once in a while, we actually break it down into quarterly goals and we reverse engineer it, literally numbers. So for example, if they want to sell, I don't know, if they want to sell like a thousand units of something within a year, I break that down to quarters. I'm like, okay, that means on average, we probably need to sell about 250 units on average per quarter, which means that we probably need to sell, you know, what is that per month? You know, like 80 units or something like that per month. Okay, cool. How are we going to do that? And then if we want to sell 80 units per month, we have to figure out what we need to be doing weekly. How many leads do we need to be getting? How many times do we need to be getting on the phone? Um, how many do we need to flash sale? We need to do some open and closed cart launches. We need some free challenges. What do we need to do to reverse engineer it so that we can be selling approximately 80 units per month? And we break it down. And so I, and so I say, okay, cool. If that's What does that mean we need to be doing daily? What does that mean we need to be doing weekly? So if you have a big thing in your head, I want to give you permission to just take the first step. And this comes down to expectation management, managing your own expectations. We know that anything big is not built in big swoops and leaps and bounds. What it is built is on small daily actions. And so as unsexy as that feels, all you have to do is anything different today. That's it. You only have to do one small thing differently today. And so when I hear that, I feel really encouraged. Like I don't actually need to do a whole bunch of shit. If I did one thing a day for seven days of the week, that's seven things that I did this week that I didn't do last week. So to me, I really take a lot of pride in, you know, helping my clients take action by breaking it down into smaller pieces, even though it can feel so elementary. It's like, Jill, I could do that in my sleep. It's like, cool, but you haven't done it in three months. So why aren't you doing it today? So it comes down to what small first step are you willing to take today because you can't get to step number two without going through step number one. And one of the things I remind myself is anyone who's grown something big, say it's a business or a relationship or you know anything that's fulfilling, is that they all started with one small step. They all started with one customer or one subscriber or one follower on social media. And so if it's a relationship thing, you're wanting to kind of build a more gratifying relationship, maybe in that moment when you would hold your tongue or in that moment where traditionally you might be resentful or you wouldn't say something, maybe today you'll say something and you'll be really scared, but you'll bring it up and you will ask for them to hear you out And you'll say, and this just literally happened to me like two weeks ago with my boyfriend. We were going through just like we're talking about, we just moved in together and he was working a lot and I was doing a lot of the kind of like moving stuff. And like I was, I was getting the, all the bills changed over to the new place and I was running around town, bringing stuff to Goodwill. And I was kind of just doing a lot of things that were just like really, I mean, it's obviously fine because I'm, I'm moving. It's, it's my move as well. And I know he was at work, so he couldn't really do anything, but I was starting to feel kind of resentful. And I was like, you know, in the past, I would just kind of swallow this and not bring it up because I don't want to make a big deal. And I know he's at work and I know he's doing his best and all this kind of stuff. But there were some things that I feel like he could have maybe done and or taken off my plate. But because I'm kind of this reformed perfectionist, I tended to a controlling type. I just take everything on and like, I'll just do it. I'll cover it. I'll I'll get it. And I was starting to feel resentful. And I was like, you know, I would normally not bring this shit up because it's not a big deal, whatever. 
And I did bring it up and I felt really almost embarrassed bringing it up because I was like, I should be able to handle this. It shouldn't be a big deal. It's not a big deal, whatever. I was doing all of the kind of old narratives of I'm not going to bring this up. If I'm resentful, that's on me, which is true. But I felt like sharing it with him was a service. And even though there wasn't anything I felt like you could say to me to like make it better, it was my, it was a practice for me. Does that make sense? Because it's not about him. It's not about like me bringing it up and him like saying the right thing and all of a sudden it's all good. It's like, no, it's a practice for me in a new operating system. And so I texted him and I said, hey, I'm starting to feel a little resentful and I hate that feeling. And he said, at me? And like put a sad face. And I was like, you know, I said, I know it's not your fault because you've been working. I said, but I'm feeling a little bit overextended and I just don't want to be taken for granted. And he was like, I don't take you for granted at all. I'm really sorry. You're you're totally right. I said, look, I'm, I actually don't need to be right, but I felt like I wanted to clue you in and share it with you and tell me if you'd rather me not share it with you in the future. And he was like, no, I totally want you to share it with me. And I said, I'm not attached to being right. I'm interested in like how you see things too. We can just have a discussion about it. We don't need to naturally agree. And he goes, no, you're right. And he was, he's always been amazing. Anytime I brought up something, he's been so, so just like, uh, so gracious and, and so willing to hear me out and not defensive. And, and again, it, willing to sit with a conversation, which, you know, has been so great. And it was a really positive experience. Just literally me sharing that and him, you know, not defending, but at the same time, kind of like wanting to know more and, and not making a big deal either. And just going cool. Like, thank you so much for bringing this up. And I do really appreciate you. And I know these last few days have been rough for you. And, and that's all I needed. That's all I needed was that acknowledgement. And I was like, cool. And like, and it was so much better than stuffing my feelings and just huffing and puffing around the house and being really upset and with him having no idea what's going on in my head. And so that was a pattern interrupt, if you will, for me, that was a pattern interrupt. And so I was really proud of myself for doing that. And it was a really positive experience. And I know that not all experiences are positive. So sometimes we get that negative affirmation of like, oh, fuck, I brought it up and the person blew up at me. So I'm never going to bring up anything ever again. And it's like, cool. You know, I don't think we really want to live like that, but that isn't benign. So I want to validate that. And so breaking down things into smaller parts, asking what would I normally have done here? And what am I going to do differently? You know, what's one small thing I can do today? So for me, having that conversation was a really small moment of bravery and it was a, a net positive, but it was super small. It was so small that I could have not brought it up and that would have been fine too, but it's like death by a thousand paper cuts and I could feel myself getting resentful and it wasn't fair to him to not tell him. And so breaking things down to smaller parts, managing your expectations, and then going on a daily basis, what can I do? One small thing. And that's going to really move you forward. And so try to think about, uh, I know that you have these big goals. I know that you have huge things in your head, but I want to give you permission to start with one small thing. Every single person who's been successful has start with one small action. And the thing I always tell my girls is like, yeah, the, you know, the best time to start was five years ago, but the second best time to start is today. Because that's the thing. What's the alternative? The alternative is continuing to wait. And at that point, I, I don't want to say you're going to be further behind, but at that point, I think, you know, things are going to be a lot harder. We know this, the more we put things off, the bigger it gets in our heads. And as soon as we sit down and we start taking action, we start doing the thing, we start engaging in the process, what happens? We just feel this like immense relief. We feel this immense feeling of just feeling proud of ourselves, don't we? And so the less action we take, the bigger the thing is going to get in our head, the more anxious we become. 
And the second we sit down and we start engaging with the process, it really is not as big as we think it is. You know, take set your timer for 30 minutes and just see how far you can get. I, I guarantee you're going to feel so gratified after that 30 minutes. You're like, oh my God, that was amazing. I can't believe I got so much stuff done. Wow. It doesn't, it totally feels like I might be able to actually do this thing. And so set your time for, for 30 minutes and see how far you can get. And so give yourself permission to do one small thing a day. All right, you guys, that was already way too long way longer than I wanted to go. But I wanted to have this conversation because I think that there's no kind of just quick fix for this. But I do I think that the best thing that we have, the best tool that we have really is just having more experiences. And having more experiences is kind of a catch-22 because that requires action. And so action taking is which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Do we get better at taking action as a result of taking action? The answer is yes. So in my mind, the answer really is to start with those very small things, to start building a body of evidence that you can do even bigger things. And so that is, and then some of this stuff is just straight up tactical stuff, saying no more, you know, really looking at where you're spending your time, energetically putting into place boundaries, saying no to shit, literally letting something just not go. Like literally some things just are not going to get done. The things that are making you miserable need to go, find a workaround, find a system for that. And this is going to take some time. Like it's not going to happen overnight, but I think some of us think some of the stuff will never work. And you'll be surprised at how much of it does work out with even the tiniest bit of effort. So hopefully that's helpful for you guys. I would love to hear what has worked for you. Go ahead and drop it into our Facebook group, thebestlifepodcast.com. We'll take you directly to our free Facebook group where we can have the conversation and keep everything going there. I'd love to hear about your productivity hacks, the things that help you take more action and just have a discussion around the episode. In the meantime, if you love this episode, we are always so appreciative. If you share it on social media, take a screenshot of wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure you tag us, thebestlifepodcast and also dannyj.com and jillfit on Instagram. And we'll make sure that we reshare that on our our channel and always just so grateful for any time you guys share it publicly. That is, it means the most to us and that you're recommending our podcast to your friends and family and you think that they can get something out of it as well. So that is all I have for you. Hopefully you guys have, uh, this is informative. Let me know if you have any questions and I'll see you soon. Bye guys. Bye guys.